Hey, I wanna welcome you all to Sandals Church Online. If this is your first time, I'm so glad that you are joining us. My name is Jeff Y, and I'm the online pastor here at Sandals Church, a place where 23 years ago, we began to champion a vision that we are still championing to this very day. And that is to be real with ourselves, real with God, and real with each other. If you see a little box or thread somewhere on your screen where it looks like people are texting and putting emojis everywhere, that's where people are chatting and interacting with our online community. Feel free to say hello and let us know if this is your first time. You can also let us know it's your first time, ask for prayer, get help, or discover how to be in community by going to sandalschurch.com slash next. You know, for the, for the last year, there have been quite a few times when things were pretty tough for my wife and I and our family. But what always got us out of those difficult times was trusting in Jesus and knowing He is our true hope. So many people need hope. They, they, they need someone they can trust. They are looking for life and, and that can only be found in Jesus. In fact, in the book of John chapter 5, 12, it actually reads, whoever has the Son, who is Jesus, has life. The only way to have life, abundant life, true life, eternal life, is with Jesus. Well, there is no other better time than to invite someone to an opportunity to celebrate the one who conquered death and offers people real life. I hope that within the next couple of weeks, you would invite someone to one of our, our Easter services right here online. All the information can be found at sandalschurch.com Easter. You are not going to want to miss it. Now, let's enter into time of singing and giving God our praise. Makes a way 
Thanks so much for singing with us, Sandals Church. Do you know that in the Bible, it lets us know in Proverbs 22, 6, for parents to train up their kids in the way that they should go. Well, here at Sandals Church, we take that very seriously, and we want to help the parents of Sandals Church do just that. So after watching this message, we hope that you would take your kids and check out kids.sandalschurch.tv for a kids online service and resources that will help you disciple your kids. Not only that, we have a Sandals Church YouTube page just for our teens so they can find content and the messages that's just for them as well. We are in a series called When in Rome, which means we are going through the book of Romans as we learn how to follow Jesus in a culture that doesn't. Now, here with another powerful message, here's our very own Pastor Matt Brown.
Hey guys, welcome to Sandals Church. So glad you're joining us, whether from a campus or online. I wanna talk to you today about how to fix what's wrong with your life, with my life. Here's one of the things that COVID has taught all of us, whether you're watching from America, a campus, or around the world, there's a lot of people that are very, very dissatisfied with their life. So overall, people in the world, whether you're an American or you live in another country, people are saying there's something wrong. Something needs to change. And we're upset. And so for many of us, right, that's governmental change. Uh, for some of us, it's economic change. But here's the thing that's so amazing. The overwhelming majority of people think what needs to change is others. It's someone else. It's something else. And for so many of us, we just got to understand the internet has been great and the internet has been horrible. Like I have so many friends that are doctors and one of the things that they say is so frustrating is when people come in to identify what's wrong, they already think they know. They're a WebMD expert. Is that you? Like you've got a symptom, you've got a cramp, you had a little diarrhea, something happened and before you know it, this is brain cancer. And the doctor's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, you had diarrhea, that's not brain cancer. But, but you know, we, we run through that, we got all the symptoms and we self-diagnose. I can't tell you how many of you guys I've met and you found out I had COVID and you're like, oh, I had COVID too. I was like, oh, you, you, you tested positive? You're like, no, I had it, you know, last year before COVID was a thing. And I'm like, I think maybe you had COVID before, you know, people in Wuhan had COVID. Um, but you're so certain. I've even had some of you said, yeah, I had COVID like three times. I'm like, I don't know that that's scientifically true either. But, uh, you know, nice to meet you, Bill Nye, the science guy, right? You, you've got all the information. And so we live in this world where we diagnose ourselves, you know, psychologically, like we, we choose our, our mental illness. Oh yeah, I've got that. Uh, we diagnose ourselves, you know, uh, with just some kind of disease. Oftentimes we, we diagnose our marriage. Here's the problem. Like you've never even had a basic counseling class. And you're like, husband, here's your issue. We diagnose our children. You know, we look at our kids. Oh, there's something wrong here. This is, we, they, we need a pill quick, you know, ASAP. And so we run to a diagnosis. And here's the thing that I would say. If you keep diagnosing yourself wrong, when are you gonna stop and maybe ask God? Say, God, what do you think the problem is? Because we all look around the world and we say, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong with the way that we treat people. There's something wrong with the way, you know, um, money is, is shared or earned. And we can see that, but so many of us, we say, I think the problem's out there. And Jesus is inviting you to listen to him. And here's what he says. He says, why do you look at the log in somebody else's eye? Why, 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 do you, why do you see the, excuse me, the speck that's in somebody else's eye, but you fail to see the log that's in your own eye? And Jesus invites us into this vision of being real. And so we can see what's wrong with so many people, but we fail to see what's wrong with ourselves. And here's the thing that's wrong with our society is we, we don't even listen to the experts anymore. We don't call doctors doctors anymore. They're healthcare professionals. Like we've, we've lowered them. You know, because you've read WebMD and you've done some research and you read, you know, you read some tweet. And so now, therefore, you are equal to four years of medicine, right, in, in schooling and all this practice and all this schooling. But you, you're, you're equal to them. It's really tragic. And so we have a problem with doctors. We have a problem with parents. We have a problem with anybody in authority. And unfortunately for us in our culture, that means we have a problem with God because he's ultimately in authority. And so here's what I would say to you. If you're dissatisfied with your life, would you at least give the Jesus of the Bible a chance? Some of you've written him off. Some of you've decided there's no way that's true. All religion is wrong. And you've come to all these conclusions based upon, listen to me, your limited experience. Your limited experience. 
A couple years ago, Tammy and I went to Australia for the first time, and we have a relative who went to Australia, and he didn't even go to Australia. He went to Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and he met some Australians, and he said, oh, Australians are terrible. I was like, well, how many did you meet? Three. Three. I was like, well, there's like, there's like 30 million Australians. Do you think there's a chance that maybe some of them are a little different than your experience? And that's what some of you said. Well, I went to church once, or I met a Christian once, or one time I called to God once. And you take that one experience and you build a whole narrative for your life. And Jesus is saying, before you listen to your narrative, why don't you listen to mine? Jesus is inviting you into a different story. And here's the thing that's so sad. Right now, you are making decisions about the rest of your life and your eternal life based upon the limited knowledge that you have. And that's scary. That is so scary. And there's just such a healthy place in life to admit that maybe you don't know what you think you know. And to invite God and say, God, man, I don't even know if you're real. But if you're real, would you speak to me? And so here's what I wanna challenge you. If you really, really, really wanna change your life, if you are interested in being blessed, and I don't know if that's you. Some of you are like, you know what? I need to be more miserable. I need to be sadder, more depressed, more anxious. Okay, then maybe this message isn't for you. But if you're like stressed out in your marriage, you're, you're worried about your finances, man, you don't get people, you're ready to give up and give in, why not give God a shot? Here's what I wanna challenge you to do today. If you really wanna change your life, if you're serious about change, and just so you know, that's what Christianity is all about. If you wanna stay where you are, never change the way you think, and keep feeling the way you feel, then Jesus is not for you. But if you're interested, it may be feeling a little bit different. If you're interested in maybe thinking a little differently, if you're interested in changing your life, Jesus is the one person you need to listen to. So here's what the Bible says. If you are interested in, in allowing, you know, your life to change, number one, write this down, never forget it. Let God identify the real problem. Like, what's the real problem? And somebody's like, I know the problem. It's you, it's him, it's them. Let God help you identify the real problem. Jesus is called the great healer for a reason. One of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. In Hebrew, when you go to the doctor, you call them Rapha or Rapha. That's a male doctor or a female doctor. It's the same name. So in modern Hebrew, one of God's names is God the doctor. Let him diagnose you. He's already ran the test. You may not just not want the results. And that's where so many of us, we're not interested in change because we're afraid of the results. You ever had to wait for a test? Okay, I, I've, my I, skin cancer runs in my family. It's killed one of my uncles. My dad's had it. My brother's had the terrible kind. And now I'm at that age where, you know, just as a white person, man, our skin just falls apart, right? And I got all these moles and these things that, that have to be taken care of. And I've been waiting for a test for two weeks. The results of something that I had to have cut off and, and, and just because of COVID and all the lab tests, you know, my, my potential cancer gets bumped to the end of the line, right? But there's part of me, I gotta be honest with you, that doesn't really wanna know. There's part of me that wants to pretend I didn't have a test, it's not real. And it's why so many of us don't go to the doctor because we're afraid of the results of the test. And this is why, honestly, if you could be real with yourself why you don't read your Bible, because the Bible reveals what's wrong. This is why people love every religion except Christianity because Christianity diagnoses the real problem. Like Buddhists say, you know what you need to do? You need to disconnect. You need to check out. You know why? It's not real anyways. That's what the Buddhist says. Jesus says, oh, no, 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 it's very real. And there's a real problem and there's a real issue. And if you wanna change, 
The Bible gives us Romans 3.23. Now, some of you have never heard of this verse, but I want you to know there's a thing out there and you can Google it, not now, put your phone down. You can Google it, it's called the Roman road. And we're gonna talk about each of these verses as we go through this series. And what this is, the Roman road is the path to the life you desperately want. It's, it's the path to the life that you are meant to have. But you can never get on that path unless you take this first step. This is, this is Christianity 101. You can never change your life now or forever unless you understand this verse and not just understand it, but agree with it. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. That's you, that's me, right? That's your grandma. That's your grandma. I know she's sweet. I know she's innocent. That's your grandma. I remember a couple years ago at Sandals Church when my grandma was still alive. I don't know what it was. Every time she came to Sandals, I was preaching on sex. I was so embarrassed. I got my 90-year-old grandma, and I'm like, oh my gosh, grandma, I promise you, I preach on more than just sex. You know what my grandma said to me? She's 90 years old. She said, honey, if I didn't know anything about sex, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> preach, grandma, right? Preach. Romans 3.23, for everyone is sinned. You, me, your grandma, everyone. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Look, I don't live up to my own standards. As a dad, I fail every day. Like I, I, I tell myself, you know, today I'm gonna be, listen, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna be compassionate, I'm not gonna give my opinion, I'm gonna be quiet. You know how hard that is for me? I mean, it's like you guys don't know, I'm a talker, right? My wife makes fun of me because I talk out loud to myself. She's like, you talking to yourself again? I'm like, you know how God made me but I fail as a husband. I'm not the husband I wanna be. I'm not the dad I wanna be. I'm not the pastor I wanna be, much less the husband God's called me to be, the dad God's called me to be, the pastor God's called me to be, the friend God's called me to be. I don't meet God's standard and I don't meet my standard. You know why that is? I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Now, some of you, because you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you did grow up in church, and either way, you got a whacked version of what sin is. So what is sin? This is dictionary.com, okay? The source for all modern knowledge, amen? What is sin? Dictionary.com says this, it's an immoral act considered to be wrong according to divine law. Now, if you Wikipedia it, Wikipedia says the exact same thing, but it says, and every culture disagrees on what's divine law. Right, so if you grew up in India, you got one set of laws. If you grew up in China, you got another set. If you grew up in Europe or America, or if you grew up a Christian or not a Christian, you see there's all this disagreement on what's divine law. So what is sin biblically? So we know what dictionary.com says, we know what Wikipedia says, and here's the thing. Wikipedia, right, the danger is it can be self-edited by anybody. That's what's terrifying about Wikipedia. So quit citing it, high schoolers, on your papers, okay? It's not a real source. The Bible's a real source because the Bible says that it was divinely inspired by God. The 10 commandments were actually written by the finger of God. Think about that, the finger of God. It's a divine source. And, and here's what you need to know about the divine source, what it says about sin. Sin is the English translation of the Greek word harmatia, harmatia. So that's where we get the English word sin. And here's what harmatia means in the original language. It means primarily, not always, because it's a big word with lots of meanings, but it usually means, listen to this, to miss the target. To miss the target. So in the ancient world, 
If you have a spear, like we live in the modern world and you got multiple rounds in your gun. So if you miss once, what do you do? You shoot again. What happens if you throw the spear and you miss? You're in trouble. You miss the target. And so what the word harmatia actually means, it's to throw at something and to miss. And that's why the word fits so perfectly in Romans 3.23. So here's the translation I memorized. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here's the thing is, if you're not real with yourself, you think you hit the target all the time. Like, I'm a pretty good dad. Well, you might be. But what's, what, who, who, who makes the target? Who sets the goal? You? I was having lunch with a good friend of mine this week, and you know what he told me? He said, Matt, I thought I was an amazing husband. And I was leading a Bible study and I was telling a bunch of people in my Bible study how amazing our marriage was. It's incredible. And he said, I looked to my wife for affirmation. And as I looked to my wife, I looked over and I could see in her eyes, she wasn't buying what I was selling. And that led to a conversation where he said, are you happy in our marriage? And she said, no. You see, the reason so many of us think that we're great is we create our own targets, right? And what we do is we throw the spear, then we go make the target. Yep, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. But here's the difference is perfection and goodness is a target that God has set. And only God is perfectly good. When we try, we miss every time. A couple of years ago, I did an event called the Spartan and uh, it's a fun event, and, and they can be 5K, they can be 10K, and, and you run this race, and what's really cool is sometimes running gets boring. They have all these obstacles that you have to go through. Uh, sometimes you have to swim in cold water. Sometimes you have to navigate, you know, things that are very, very difficult, uh, and you have to utilize balance. You have to util utilize climbing skills. You have to do all these things, and at the very end, the last thing after you've run your 5K, after you've run your 10K, you're exhausted. What you have to do is you have to throw a spear at a target. And you know what? I didn't practice at all. You know why? Because I'm a man. Look at me. Come on now. I don't need to practice that. I, I've been throwing stuff since I was six years old. I know how to throw something. So I didn't practice the spear at all. And I did that race and I was really good. And I was so proud. My wife was there and I grabbed that spear and you have never seen something more pathetic in your life. Like I threw the spear, like, foo, look at my muscles, foo, and I threw the spear. It didn't even hit the hay. Not only did I miss the bullseye, I didn't hit the target. Not only did I not hit the target, I didn't hit the hay. I could have killed someone. It was so embarrassing. And it's right at the end where all your family and friends are watching. And they're like, yeah, oh, oh. Oh, you know, kids like, oh yeah, well, dad's not a real Spartan. And you know, the thing is, I think in our minds, we think we throw the spear better than we do. But what if you asked your wife? What if you asked a friend? What if you ask Jesus, am I nailing this, Jesus? For some of you, you're not even aiming at the right target. So sin, harmatia, means to miss the mark. And here's the thing, you may not be an evil person, but you miss the mark every day of your life. Every day. Next, sin means to disobey God. So what that means is not only Am I not throwing, not, am I not hitting perfection when I throw this spear? I've decided not to even try. I'm not gonna throw it at the target that God said, I'm gonna do what I want. You see, this is the rebellious nature that's in every single human being. And if you're a parent, you'll find that in your two-year-old. Like you teach in common sense things, like don't put your finger in the socket, don't run with a knife. And your kid's like, no, I will do it. 
I will destroy my life. I mean, that's just a part of human nature. We rebel against common sense and all that is good. That's what human beings do. So God says, don't, we say, I'm going to. Or God says, you shouldn't, we say, why not? God tells Adam and Eve, there's one tree that you shouldn't eat from, and guess where they find themselves? Staring at that one tree. So sin is when we try and fail. Sin is when we ignore what's good and we just do what we want. But then sin can be even worse. So sometimes it's, you know, you tried, you failed, you're human. Sometimes it's, you knew it was right and you did what's wrong. Sometimes it's evil. It's evil. And you commit an act of evil like murdering someone or destroying someone. Like you might not murder somebody in a physical way, but you'll do it in a relational way, like in this cancel culture. You'll destroy someone's character. You'll destroy someone's reputation. You'll wound them and maim them with your words. And see, a lot of you, you don't think that's evil, but it is. And you know when someone said something terrible about you or done something to you, you know what that feels like. Listen to me. Not all sin is the same. And a lot of you who've grown up in church, you've been taught some really just foolish reasoning. Listen to the words of Jesus, John 19, 11. Jesus answered Pilate. So Jesus is about ready to be crucified. He's standing before a judge, Pilate, who has the ability as a Roman governor to set him free. And Jesus says to him, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Let me give you the Greek word in English. Or excuse me, let me give you, let me give you the, this, this word uh, greater in the Greek. It's mega. You know exactly what it means. It's mega sin. It's a mega sin. That's what Jesus is saying. This is incredible. This is huge. These people who are doing this, and why is the sin of the Jewish leader who's handing Jesus over to Pilate, why is it greater? Because they know better. They know better. They're supposed to represent God. They're supposed to teach people about God. And God sends his one and only son and the religious people kill him. Now, did Pilate sin? Of course, he washes his hands. He says, this isn't my fault. Well, it is. He's just not as guilty as the people who conspired to capture Jesus in the middle of the night and pay people to lie about him and pay a person to betray him, one of his best friends. Listen to me. Not all sin is the same, but all sin does the same thing. Like it's when you get cancer. I was talking to my doctor this last week and I was asking him, hey, when do the lab results come? He said, I wouldn't worry about it. If it's cancer, it's good cancer. Listen to me, there's no good cancer, there's less bad cancer. And let me tell you what I mean by less bad. It will kill you more slowly. That's what it means. You don't want cancer in your body. You don't want it anywhere. Some forms of cancer are more aggressive and they kill you more quickly. Some cancers are slowly, but if left untreated, guess what all cancer does? It kills you. James, the half-brother of Jesus says this, and remember, when you are being tempted, some of you, you, you say this, he says, but don't say this, God is tempting. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. So what's happening inside you right now if you're being tempted to do evil, if you're tempted to, to, to do wrong? It says temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us, and I want you to listen to this sentence, and I, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, you never forget these words. What does temptation do? It comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Sin is always moving you in one direction. 
and that's away from God. That's away from what's right. That's away from what's good. And that's away from what's true. And can I just be honest with you right now? Some of you who don't believe in God, it's not because God's not real. It's because your sin is so real. You've moved so far from God. These desires, they give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, and that's what some of you've done, it gives birth to death. So here's what you need to know about death. We think of death as the end. When somebody dies, we think of it as, uh, well, it's over. Here's what you need to know. Death is never the end. Death is always biblically separation. So when you die physically, your soul is separated from you spiritually. Your soul is separate. Your soul is eternal. God created your soul to exist forever, either with God or apart from God. And so when you die, your soul is separated from your body. Your body goes in the ground. Your soul goes to await judgment before God. When you die, you are separated from the people that you love. It's tragic. It's terrible. It's awful. Many of you this year have been separated from your loved ones because they've died right? Sin always separates, but not only does sin separate you in death from your soul, not only does sin separate you in death from the people that you love, sin can separate you from God. Sin always separates. Sin separates me from God now, right now. That's why some of you can't hear him. That's why some of you don't feel him. That's why the Bible says that we grope. We're looking for God, and the Bible says God is closer than you think. You see what sin does is sin turns the lights off. Jesus turns the lights on. And he says, here's God. This is Isaiah 59 too. Isaiah was looking at the people of Israel. Some of you've grown up in church. You, you've been religious your whole life. And the people of Israel stopped believing in God, stopped following God. They started following anything and everything else. And here's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 59 too. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and you will not listen anymore. I can't tell you how many times I've met somebody that says, well, I demanded God to answer me. And in their sin, they screamed at God. And then they were convinced because of the silence, he was not real. Here's what the Bible says. That God is closer to you than you think. If you turn from your sins and wash your, your hands, God will be right there with you. But if you stay in your sin and that you demand God to join you where you are, he will not listen, you will not feel him, and you will not experience him. It's why the Roman road begins with these words, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't experience the life that God has for us until we accept the sin that's within us. So sin right now, right now as you're listening. Some of you, you don't, you don't believe there's a God. Some of you, you're not sure if there's a God. Let me tell you why I know there's a God. Because I confessed my sin and I met him. I met him. Sin separates me from God, not only now, but listen to me, if you're not careful, forever. Second Thessalonians 1.19 says this. They will be punished with eternal destruction. Forever separated. Do you see that word? Separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Man, think about how depressed you are right now. Think about how sad you are right now. Think about how messed up life is right now. You wanna live that forever? 
Man, some of you, I know you're so discouraged. Some of you are so depressed. You're thinking about ending this life. And let me just tell you, you think, well, it can't get any worse. The Bible says it can. Because if you're alive right now, if you're breathing right now, if you're listening to me right now, there's still hope. There's still hope. When you step into eternity, whatever decision you made, you made. Don't, don't just screw up you know, this life, but don't screw up eternity. It's real. But here's the thing you need to know about sin. Some of you are not convinced. You're like, well, I'm not sure if there's a God. Listen to me, here's what the Bible says. Sin doesn't just affect your relationship with God. Sin separates me from the people I love. From the people I love. Guess what sin does? Some of you are in your marriage. You're like, isn't it amazing? I can't tell you how many couples I've married. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. I can't imagine ever loving you more. And then six months later, like, we're getting a divorce. I don't know who this person is. I can't stand them. I remember years ago, I did a wedding and Tammy and I were struggling in our marriage. We were poor, we were struggling. And we did this wedding. It was just this couple that was like droopy in love. You know, they couldn't stop touching. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, married people are like, get away, you know, you know, we don't, we don't, we, we don't want you around, you know? And I mean, they were just, you know, they were just disgusting in love. It was annoying. And so I did their wedding rehearsal and we went to dinner with them afterwards. And the husband was like, I know we said we weren't gonna get each other's gifts, but I just, I couldn't help myself. And so I broke a promise to you and I bought this for you. And she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I too broke our promise. And we drove home and my wife was like, we're never gonna love each other like that. It was just, it was just so discouraging. Six months later, I kid you not, that bride was in my office weeping. You know what she said? She said, I think I married the wrong person. And I was like, good God, if you guys are wrong, there's no hope for any of us. Here's what she realized. You see, when you're in love, you're just dumb. You're just dumb. Then you get married and you get real. Whoa. Same person every day for the rest of my life, right? Yes. Here's what you realize. You know why you have marriage conflicts? It's not because you married the wrong person. It's because you're beginning to become aware that you married a sinful person. And sin separates. I don't care how powerful your love is for each other. I don't care if you're Romeo and Juliet, right? Sin can separate you. That's what sin does. Sin destroys love. It kills it. It's why Jesus Christ had to die so that he could restore your love and God's love together. So Adam and Eve, right? They, they, they sin, they eat the forbidden fruit in Genesis chapter three. I want you to look at this if you're married. The moment, the moment they sinned, now think about it, Adam and Eve are in love. You think you have a great relationship? They have the best relationship. They love each other. They're made for each other. It's incredible. I mean, literally, Eve is made from Adam, right? Oh, you're made for me. No, 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 Eve was made for Adam. You two just found each other, you know, on, on Facebook, right? It's a, it's a different level. These two, these two like were made, they were in love. The moment they sinned, they suddenly felt shame at their what? At their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Listen to me, married couples, they were already naked. They'd already been intimate. But sin suddenly showed them there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with you, and sin separated the first couple. The first marriage, the most intimate bond between a man and a woman is the bond of marriage, and sin broke it in an instant. In an instant. I just wanna challenge some of you that are married you are taking everything personally, maybe because you don't see anything spiritually. 
Well, my spouse is a sinner, is a sinner. And that's why Romans 3.23 is so important because it's not just your spouse that's a sinner, who else is? You, you. And this is why the gospel is so helpful. You see, you can give grace to sinners because you've received grace from Jesus. But if you haven't, you don't know how. And this is why our world is such a cancel culture because they haven't met Christ. But not only does it separate husband and wife, it can separate mother and daughter, father and son, brother and brother, sister and sister, best friends. You know, this week, I, had, I got to meet together for coffee with a friend. And let me just tell you something. There was a time in my life where I loved this guy as much as I loved anyone. I thought he was one of the most important relationships in my life. I never thought we would do life without each other. It was truly a wonderful, glorious, incredible, God-blessed relationship. But sin destroyed our friendship, completely destroyed it. He and I will never agree on who was the bigger sinner, but let me tell you what I think we'll both agree on, sin killed our friendship. And it was so sad because it's been seven years. Isn't that incredible? And for some of you, man, time is just going by because you, you've given sin the victory. Acts 15, 39, Paul and Barnabas, and listen to me, Barnabas had discipled Paul. No, nobody would give Paul a chance. Barnabas, welcome Paul. I discipled this young leader. I, I cared for this young leader, right? I mean, this is why this verse is so personal to me. I thought there's nothing that could break us up. Look, Paul and Barnabas were the dynamic duo for Jesus. But it says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Do you see the word? They separated. And it breaks my heart when I see Christians who get so angry and so upset and they leave because of what someone else has done. Let me tell you something. Stop blaming the person and start blaming the culprit. It's sin. It's sin. And it's in them and it's in me and it's in you, it's in us. And we need to start looking at things spiritually so that we can start living better physically, emotionally. Listen to me, we got better doctors, we have better emotional understanding than any time in human history and we're all miserable, we're all miserable. We have clinical doctors who do nothing but study to help you deal with your feelings. How are we doing? And here's the, here's the reason, it's not all physical. It's not all emotional. Some of it's spiritual. So Barnabas took John Mark with him and he sailed for Cyprus. And Paul went the other way. Here's the thing that's so sad. Not only does sin separate you from God, not only does sin separate you from the people that you love, sin separates me and you from my purpose in life. Some of you are so dissatisfied. Man, you've made more money than you thought you would make. You've accomplished things, more things than you thought you would accomplish. I mean, you've done some incredible things in your life and you're miserable. You're miserable, you're not happy. And you say, what's going on? Romans 3.23 is gonna help you identify what's going on. You see, some of you are convinced if I just move to my dream location, my life will be better. If I just get my dream job, my life will get better. One of my favorite quotes from Jim Carrey, he was my favorite comedian in the 90s. He said, everyone should get everything they ever want so that they can see it will never satisfy. You see, 
those of us who are poor and not famous, we still live under the ignorance that fame and fortune will make us happy. People who are famous and rich, they already know it doesn't. Some of you don't know this, but the apostle Peter was a very successful businessman. He did very, very well. How do, how do we know that? The Bible says that he owned property. How do we know that? Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law at his house. His house was big enough to accommodate multiple families. We know that he was wealthy because Jesus borrowed his boat. He owned a boat. And in the ancient world, if you owned a boat, it's like nowadays, amen, do you own a boat? I don't own a boat. Some of you are like, I wish I didn't own a boat. Well, that's you, it's on you. My friend who owns a boat says the best day of your life is when you buy a boat and when you sell it. I don't know if that's true because I don't own a boat. But Peter owns a boat, perhaps boats. A lot of people work for him. Jesus uses his boat to preach. And then after he preaches and everybody hears, Jesus says, Peter, let's go back out into the deep water and I want you to catch some fish. And Peter, right, the expert, the expert at fishing, Jesus, you're from Nazareth. Do you know how much water is around Nazareth? Zero. There's no water, right? There's no water. There's no lake. I mean, Nazareth is in the middle of nowhere. And Peter says, Lord, I'm a fisherman, man. I've been by the water my whole life. We fished all night and caught nothing. But Peter says, but if you say so, if you say so, you're the Lord, we'll go out again. And Peter presses out into the deep water. And the Bible says he, ca he caught so many fish, it almost sank his boat. It almost sank his boat. So what did Peter do? Celebrate, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I've been blessed, I'm incredible. Listen to what Peter says, Luke 5, 8, and never forget it because sin is still the Lord of his life. It's not Jesus yet. But when Simon Peter saw the great catch, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Man, that's what sin does. You know what sin's gonna tell you right now? You don't need Jesus, go your own way. You see, not only does sin say that there's something wrong with other people, sin says there's something wrong with me. Adam didn't tell Eve, hey, you know what, naked lady, you need to cover yourself. Eve didn't just say, hey, you know what, Adam, you need to cover yourself. You're like way too hairy, you're way too gross, cover yourself. You know what they both did? They covered themselves. Here's what sin says, there's something terrible in me and it can never be made right. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that there's something very special planned for you. Jesus says to Peter, it's not just fish that I'm gonna teach you to catch. I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. You're gonna change the lives of people. Listen to me. If Peter listens to sin, you and I never hear of him. He's just some random Jewish guy in Palestine 2,000 years ago whose life didn't mean a hill of beans. The only thing he would be known for is smelling like fish. But he listened to Jesus. He put down his nets, he left his boat, and he listened to the words of Jesus who said, come and follow me. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew 
in Christ Jesus. Listen to these words so we can do things he planned for us long ago. Let me ask you this question. What if right now Jesus is calling and you're missing out on this incredible life that he has planned for you? One of my favorite moments during COVID, during 2020, was I met with a couple in our church. Three years ago, they were getting divorced. They had decided to give up on their marriage. They were bankrupt and they were gonna walk away from their business. And they came to Sandals Church and they decided instead of giving up on their business and instead of giving up on their marriage, they decided to give up their life to Jesus. And right there together as a couple, they said, God, if you can do a miracle in our marriage, if you can do a miracle in our business, it's our goal. They couldn't pay the bills. They couldn't write a check. They said, we wanna write a check to Sandals Church for $100,000. And right at Christmas time, 2020, I got to meet with them on a Zoom meeting. Remember, it's COVID. We couldn't meet face-to-face. Zoom meeting. And they gave the church a check for $100,000. They went from bankrupt and broken in their marriage to loving one another. And can you imagine writing a $100,000 check? I've never done it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And they did it. And they said, we just want you to know that God used Sandals Church to change our lives. And we're so grateful. And they were like, we know it's not a big check. I'm like, it's a big check. (laughs) And God has blessed them immensely because they surrendered to Jesus. What blessings are you robbing yourself from because you are still a slave to sin? So I gotta let God identify my problem. And number two, I gotta let God show me how to make it right. Man, you know when I got COVID, I mean, thank you for everybody that sent me information. I did everything. I mean, vitamins, man, my urine looked like a rainbow, man. I mean, it was just, it was incredible, right? I did everything. My poor kids, every day my son would come home from school, I'd be laying out in the backyard butt naked. Why? Because vitamin D, you gotta get vitamin D. And my poor, my poor son's like, we can't invite, can't invite people over. Dad's got COVID and he went crazy. You know, I'm in the backyard naked. And my friend's like, really? You think your underwear, that 10% is gonna deny you the amount of, I'm like, I need all the vitamin D I can get. I mean, I was desperate. I was desperate, right? If I would have had a doctor that said smoke crack, I'd have been, okay, maybe, right? I was scared to death. And here's the scary thing. It wasn't just you guys sending me all your crazy emails. I was working with three doctors who all said different things. Isn't that amazing? Three doctors who all went to medical school prescribing different things. And that's the world that we live in, right? You got all these voices telling you how to treat what's wrong with you. Why not listen to Jesus? Why not listen to God? He knows what's wrong and he knows how to make it right. Romans 3, 23 and 26 says this, for everyone has sinned, right? We've talked about that. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, but here's the good news. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. How does he do this? He did it through Christ. One of the best Christmas gifts I got this Christmas is my daughter. My daughter bought me a certificate. We found out we're Irish. You know, we thought we were Italian. Took the, took the 23andMe test, zero Italian, zero, right? 67% Irish. So my daughter bought me land in Ireland. And in Ireland, when you own land, it's just one square foot of land, it makes you a Lord. So you can refer to me now as Lord Matthew. I'm, I'm a Lord of Kerry, the county Kerry in Ireland. And I got a certificate that proves it, right? Isn't that funny? 
It was one of the greatest gifts I got. No one in my family will call me Lord, even though they gave me the gift. But what it does is, listen to me, there's a transaction that takes place and it changes who I am. That's what happened when Jesus Christ died on the cross. You're a sinner, you deserve death. Jesus died for you so that you could have his life. He took your place on the cross. You see, sin always separates. Sin ultimately leads to death. So somebody had to die forever for you and Jesus did. He did this through Christ Jesus, whom he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Isn't that crazy? For the Lord died so we could be lords with him. The apostle Paul says, don't you know that one day you will judge angels? Think about that. You have no idea who you are. You have no idea who God's made you to be. You get a picture of it when you look at Jesus. That's what you can be through him and the power of his spirit. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. For he, for God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes us right in his sight when we believe in Jesus. Look, you can't save yourself. Only Jesus can. He's done all the work. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3, 23, it's where we start. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Please save me. Luke 5, 32, Jesus says, I have come not to call those who think they are righteous. If you don't think anything's wrong with your life spiritually, then you are not ready for Jesus but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Look, I know some of you, I know some of you have been hurt by religious people. I just want you to know that it was religious people who killed Jesus. Don't reject what you have in Jesus because of someone who comes in the name of Jesus. Don't miss out on that. He came for you. Don't worry about them, worry about you. I remember years and years ago when I gave my life to Christ, I grew up in a Baptist church and we used to sing these old hymns. And I remember the first time I heard this hymn when I was ready to come back to Jesus. The song is softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Listen to these words. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and calling for me. Patiently, Jesus is waiting and watching, watching for you and watching for me. And then I remember these words. I was lost and I ran from God. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, listen to these words. O sinner, come home. Come home. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading? Pleading for you and pleading for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercies? His mercies for you and his mercies for me. Time is now fleeting. The moments are passing. Passing from you and passing from me. Shadows are gathering and deathbeds are coming. Coming for you coming for me. Right after I'm done with this message, do you know where I'm going? I'm gonna go to the bedside of somebody who's dying of cancer. Death has called 
their time is up. It's come for them and it will come for me. I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready? Ready for what? Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised. Promised for you and promised for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and pardon for me. That's why I'm a Christian. That's why I love Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world and he's the hope for your soul. Is Jesus calling? Can you hear his voice? Is your sin blocking you from hearing God, feeling God, and sensing God? Just call out to God right now and say, if you're real, I confess that I'm a sinner and tear down that wall of separation and say, Jesus, speak to me. I wanna hear your voice. I wanna answer your call. And I know Jesus will speak to you. Why do I know that? Because he died to save you. And if you confess your sins, he will reveal himself to you because he's done all this to bring you home. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. If you need to repent of your sin for the first time, just do it. Say, God, I'm a sinner. Maybe it's for the second time. Shoot, maybe it's for the thousandth time, like in my life. Just say, God, I'm a sinner. My sin has messed up my marriage. It's messed up my life. It's messed up my relationship with you. I confess that. And I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God, I'm ready to come home. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just enter the heart of every person. And God, you would just move beyond my words and they would begin to hear your words and that they would come home. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is calling, calling you, come home. I know that God was speaking to you. Here is my question and challenge to you. Are you interested in allowing change in your life? If you are, then let God, the healing doctor, help you call out to Jesus today. Go to sandalschurch.com slash follow Jesus 
or let one of our chat hosts know right now. We want to walk alongside you as you start this journey with Jesus and allow him to heal you and start you toward a new life. Many of us who are living this life with Jesus love giving back to the church with our finances. We do this through our offerings or what the Bible calls tithes, which means trustingly and obediently giving 10% of our income. I say obediently because God said, it's what I should do. My wife and I have been giving a tithe to the church our entire marriage. And, and we have been so blessed because we give. But more than that is seeing how others are blessed. I want to let you know one of the impacts that you are making when you give. Eight months ago, we launched Sandals Church Anywhere at Sandals Church, which is an opportunity for people all over the world to bring a Sandals Church experience and the vision of being real right to their community, right to their home. And I want to highlight some of those Anywhere locations. This is The Shield, who, who, who hosts a Sandals Church Anywhere in South Carolina. They told us we were searching for something real. God gave us Sandals Church Anywhere. I have never experienced community in this way or felt this level of real connection. The Rogers also let us know we dove wholeheartedly into our Sandals Church Anywhere location. We're overwhelmed by the encouragement and support we've received from 2,194 miles away. Wow, praise God. That's why we are so excited for these two recent Sandals Church Anywhere launches. The Foxes in Bedford, Texas, and the Nichols in Maple, Alabama. I bet they got some good serve there. We are super excited to hear their stories in the future as well. And get this now, this weekend, Merson and his family, the Jurorics, launched Sandals Church Anywhere in South Yorkshire in the UK. They are a bilingual family and they've already invited friends to their community to watch the services with them. Get this, not everyone speaks English, so Mercin has to pause every now and then and actually translate in Polish so everyone can be a part of what's going on and they can be part of the connection. This is what your giving does. It helps our message and the hope of Jesus get around the world to people who need to hear it. You can be a part of what God is doing and start giving today. You can do this by going to the app or by going to give.sc. Sandals Church Online Family, thank you so much for being here. I hope today that you were encouraged, inspired, and learned how to live real with yourselves, God, and others. Hopefully, you took the leap to follow Jesus so that you can live like Jesus in a culture that doesn't. And if that was you, I'd love to know. Email me so that myself or someone on my team can celebrate with you. Just email me at pastorjeff at sandalschurch.com. Have a great day because it is a great day, and we'll see you right back here next week.